Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll talk about the importance of putting together a winter feeding plan. Up first in today's country comment, Ann Kirk with Manitoba Agriculture will join us to talk about the 30th anniversary of the Seed Manitoba Guide. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The Seed Manitoba Guide is celebrating its 30th anniversary in 2022. Ann Kirk is with Manitoba Agriculture. She's also the editor of this year's guide. The first issue of the guide uh, came out in 1992. This is the 30th anniversary edition and we're very proud to have been you know, producing this uh, good resource for the last 30 years. How long have you been involved with, with the guide? Uh, Just for the past uh, five years or so, and the editor for the last two years. Uh, Any idea on on how it's kind of changed over the years? Uh, You know, the format is actually fairly similar in the last number of years. What has changed is the crop types. So we do see some different crops, uh, some new locations, but uh, the format is actually fairly similar. We found that it it works pretty well for providing the information that farmers need. Where does the data come from? Data comes from a a few different sources. Uh, The most... Uh, the first source is McVet Trials, so the Manitoba Crop Variety Evaluation Team puts together trials for uh, cereals, uh, peas, and flax. And then we also have data donated from the Manitoba Corn Committee for corn, uh, from Manitoba Crop Alliance for sunflowers, and for the canola performance trials for canola, and the Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers for soybeans. Talk about uh, testing locations and uh, site year. Sure, yeah, we have a lot of locations. I believe we had 28 locations this year where crops were trialed. So not all crops are trialed in all locations. We do have, uh, we, you know, the core crops, so things like wheat, barley, oats, those are, you know, trialed in many of those locations. Um, but other crops are trialed in the locations where they're most adapted. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had, you know, it, the number of entries, the number of varieties um, put into the trials for each crop type does vary quite a bit. And depends on, you know, what varieties are new and upcoming that uh, the seed distributors want uh, farmers to be aware of. And how can uh, Seed Manitoba help farmers with their variety selection? Yeah, it's a great unbiased resource for information on variety selection. So um, if, for farmers, I think it's uh, best to look at an, a few different things. So for all crops, we have a variety description table. And that table shows variety characteristics, such like the agronomic characteristics like height, lodging, maturity as well as disease resistance characteristics for um, the relevant diseases for that crop type. And also on that table, we do show average yield over a number of years and the number of set years where the varieties been tested. So obviously, um, you know, the more testing locations, the more um, sure of the data we can be. We also have uh, tables showing actual yields for each specific location. So if you're interested in a variety or if you want to see, see how a variety performs in the Arborg area, you can flip and see, um, you know, the average yields for that specific location. But we do always say to be cautious about the one site year of data. So, you know, while it does provide good information, it's sometimes not the best indicator of how a variety will perform, you know, on your farm or uh, in a different location. Anything new in the guide this year or, or any other highlights that uh, stand out for you? Yeah, something new in the guide this year is forage trials. So forage trials were conducted in the past, but it's been a number of years since they were um, last done by the Nicolette Committee. So this year we did an annual forage trial at four locations. Um, we were looking at a variety of annual crops that farmers would cut for forage. So 
things like oats, barley, peas, um, millet, sorghum, Sudan grass. So we were looking at those, um, you know, to see the general growth characteristics, biomass yields, and quality. So I think it's great that we have forages back in the seed bed, and obviously um, annual forages being um, fairly good for water usage are becoming, um, you know, of interest to a lot of animal producers. All right. And how do uh, farmers uh, get a copy of the guide? Yeah, the, the seed guide is available online on seedmd.ca. It's also available, it came out today in the Manitoba Cooperator, and it's available at the 10 Mask and Agriculture and Resource Development Service Centers. And if people are, um, you know, would like to get a copy of the seed guide, they can reach out to me, or they can reach out to another Manitoba Agriculture staff person um, for assistance in getting the seed guide. That was Anne Kirk. She's the editor of the Seed Manitoba Guide this year. The 2022 edition is celebrating its 30th anniversary. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Hay is continuing to be shipped to the prairies through CFA's Hay West initiative. Mary Robinson, president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, says transportation costs are extremely high. We've had some wonderful donations. Um, OFA, the Ontario Federation of Agriculture, they made a donation. Um, uh, FTC as well with a donation and CN as well as the, the PEI government. So we, we've seen some, some wonderful uh, folks being able to step up to the plate on that, and, and we're working to secure more funding. So really the, the, uh, the big thing is making sure that we've got the, the money to get hay in the hands of the producers who need it. CFA is operating on a break-even basis under the initiative, with hay being purchased from Eastern and Central Canadian farmers and resold at cost to recipients in the West. And this week, Protein Industries Canada announced a new project to strengthen the use and understanding of fermentation processing technology in ingredient and food processing. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. Through a $1.3 million co-investment, the Saskatchewan Food Industry Development Centre, the University of Saskatchewan, the Global Agri-Food Advancement Partnership and AgWest Bio are bringing new technology to Canadian SMEs, making our industry more sustainable and providing new job opportunities for Canadians. This consortia combines expertise that will lead to the establishment of new fermentation technologies. This is Protein Industries Canada's 27th project announcement. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, November 26th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll talk about the importance of putting together a winter feeding plan. Temperatures have begun to dip and with that, livestock producers should be formulating their winter feeding plans. With a shortage of feed reported across the majority of the prairies due to drought this year, a plan for feeding livestock is extremely important. Reporter David Zamet caught up with Catherine Lang, a livestock and feed extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. This year, producers are experiencing a feed shortage, and many producers are going to be feeding less feed or less poor quality feed, but they still need to be aware that animals do have needs, and these needs are energy, protein, minerals, vitamins, and then roughage for fill. So we are doing a lot of planning right now to get these these animals ready and have enough available feed supplies for winter feeding. We do encourage producers to consider the quality of their feed as well as the quantity. 
And if there isn't sufficient feed for the numbers of animals being overwintered, then some tough decisions are going to have to be made on whether to buy feed or whether to reduce the number of animals that you are feeding. So some of the things to consider, first and foremost, would be prioritization of your animals. So this would be to determine which of your herd has the highest needs and which has the lower and where you can put some of those lower quality feeds into their ration. Top priority should be given to replacement heifers who are still growing and then pregnant bred cows. You need to keep body condition on these animals and the more body condition that they have, the better that they'll be able to do through the cold of winter. Thin cattle don't have those fat reserves and do require more feed than animals that are in a good body condition. So they can, animals who are in a better condition can tolerate those colder winter months where thin cattle really need to put on weight now to be able to maintain over the rest of the winter. Um, It's also possible that thinner animals have a lower vitamin and mineral reserve, so they need to be watched a little more closely for deficiencies and on a really good mineral program to build up some of those reserves again. Another good management strategy is to separate young and thin cows from the rest of the herd and be able to give them a little extra better quality feed or some grain to keep that energy and protein high. You were talking about um, it being uh, hard to get or shortages uh, across uh, most of the prairies, I'd imagine, from the drought. But I guess our feed prices sky high, too, if you are able to find some. Yeah, so a lot of the feed prices that we have seen are higher than the average, and that's just due to the shortage that's out there. So it may not be financially smart to purchase more feed. And it may be time to cull some some of those older animals, although cattle prices aren't great right now, so it's kind of a toss-up either way you want to go. Do you want to, I guess, uh, just go into the, the quality a bit and, and what they need to be doing specifically on that end of feed? Yeah, okay. So this year with the shortage that we are seeing, it's really important not to waste feed, especially if your inventories are tight. Um, feeding on the ground can be... a, a a real high way to waste feed because animals will step in it or they'll push each other into it. And we have seen waste up to 50% on poor quality feeds that are on the ground. So if you are going to feed on the ground, it's better to try to do that with a wire um, and to move that wire and keep it adjusted properly. The other thing that you could do would be to feed into a trough and get that feed off the ground so that they aren't, they aren't able to mess it up and step in it. Some other things to consider is that some of your best roughage should be saved for those replacement calves, bred heifers, and then calves once they have calved. Because once they're calving, milk production is a huge energy demand, and you don't want to be skimping out on feed and nutrients when their demands are the highest. Another thing to consider is that when it's cold, animals need more energy. A good rule of thumb is to increase the grain by around two pounds for every 10 degrees Celsius drop in temperature below minus 10 to a maximum of five pounds. So that would mean that if the temperature went from minus 10 to say minus 35 overnight, those cows would need an extra five pounds of grain to keep and help maintain their body temperature. Yeah, that last one was kind of the next question I was going to ask is <laughs> how much do you have to vary uh, just on the cool conditions? But that certainly certainly touches on it. And then I guess just sticking with the cool conditions, do you need to watch a little closely more when it does really get cold? Yeah, when it gets cold, it's important to keep a closer eye on those animals. 
Um, young calves who are recently weaned need a really good bed to, to find shelter in, especially when the weather is windy and blowy like this. They're not used to being all on their own, so a really deep bed is important for them. As well as for bulls, you need to make sure that you have a good bedding so that they don't get any kind of freezing happening. And then when it's also cold on those cow herds, if they don't, you, if they don't have shelter, you need to try to provide them some shelter. And then that extra grain or other energy source when it starts to get colder out. If you do have any more questions, please contact the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at one 866 457-2377. That was Catherine Lang with Saskatchewan's Ministry of Agriculture chatting with reporter David Zemmett. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Canada's Outdoor Farm Show is hosting an online event December 1st entitled What a Year, a Celebration of Egg Innovation. You can go to outdoorfarmshow.com. The Farm Forum Learn and Grow event takes place virtually this year, December 7th. Visit the Farm Forum website for details. Keystone Agricultural Producers District Meetings take place December 7th online from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Get all the details on the CAP website. And the Canadian Forage and Grassland Association's annual conference is planned for December 14th to the 16th online. Go to canadianfga.ca. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, Buffalo Creek Mills in Altona will start to produce table-ready oat flakes in January. I caught up with CEO Ryan Penner. Buffalo Creek Mills... um created in kind of 2014 or 2015 and we started with a, a target of, uh, of making table ready oat products and uh, in, in January of uh, this upcoming year we anticipate being able to uh, to make uh, oat flakes as you would see on your table and uh, kind of complete that vision. Yeah I guess just talk about the uh, the significance of that and you know what's what you know what kind of markets will open up for you guys? Uh, you know oats have been uh, are proving to be um, uh, very attractive at the moment, and uh, the nutritional benefits, heart health benefits, being gluten-free. Uh, there's a couple of uh, new markets with uh, oat beverages, uh, and dairy dairy alternatives. These are all showing uh, showing signs of, um, of uh, improving the market, and uh, and we seem to be lucky enough to uh, to participate in that. So uh, we see a pretty bright future for us. The way you guys are doing it now, is it just the uh, you guys are shipping the, the oat groat and then it gets flaked uh, you know, further down the chain? Or? Yes. Um, oat flakes are made in kind of four, four stages. And uh, over the last couple of years, we've kind of been, we've been doing the first two stages. We have uh, installed the equipment that allows us to do the last three stages. So we've, we've partnered with others to do those stages in the past, but now we will be able to heat treat them on our own. And uh, and and finally make that uh, table ready oat flake that we've been uh, been targeting for. Yeah, and Ryan, I guess talk about the uh, the equipment that needed to uh, be installed to to do this. We have been excited to install the uh, the RevTech kiln. It's a uh, it's a fairly state of the art kiln that allows us to uh, to produce a, a high quality oat product and uh, and create some some unique um, products with it as well as a result of being able to to toast it to varying degrees. So we're very excited to, to explore its potential and, uh, and to meet clients' needs with it. Ryan, talk a little bit about the uh, partnership with uh, Grupo Vida in uh, Mexico. Yeah, Grupo Vida have been uh, wonderful partners for us. We, uh, we joint ventured with them in 2017, and uh, that allowed us to uh, 
connect up with a very significant producer in Mexico and, uh, and allowed us to have a significant presence in Mexico. Uh, it also allowed us to double our capacity and, uh, and grow to the, uh, the capacity that we are now. I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the, the 2021 oat crop. Uh, can, can you talk about the season and, you know, I guess just the, the high prices we're seeing now? Yeah, the 2021 oat crop has been, uh, has, has been a challenge. Uh, we are, we've seen the drought has caused for, caused low yields and, uh, and, uh, demand is increasing and supply is not there. So the prices are going, uh, are going very high. And, uh, and for those people that have oats, this is a, this is, a, for those producers that have oats, this is a good time. But for those that are not, that has been, uh, it's been a very challenging year. So uh, yeah, we're we're managing through that uh, that very carefully. Are you planning to expand? Uh, you know, heading forward, we're uh, pretty excited to uh, to be looking for probably about uh, ten additional people this upcoming eight months and and more into the future. Um, yeah, there's a number of positions both uh, on on the production floor and within quality and uh, and within administration here that we need to in order to. Uh, to complete our vision of providing table ready oak products, and so uh, you'll you'll see us uh, advertising and searching for for people in the next while. That was Ryan Penner. He's the CEO of Buffalo Creek Mills in Altona. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. A new partnership was announced this week to advance fermentation processing in Western Canada. Dan Prefontaine is president of the Sask Food Industry Development Centre. This project will provide new opportunities to develop innovative products from proof of concept to commercialization. It will further our creation of new expertise in innovative processing for ingredients to support our protein sector and build industry expertise to transform plant-based materials from Western Canadian proteins, starches, and fibers using fermentation technology. Other partners include Protein Industries Canada, the University of Saskatchewan, the Global Agri-Food Advancement Partnership, and Egg West Bio. A total of $1.3 million will be invested into the project. And the Canadian Federation of Agriculture is continuing with its Hay West initiative to assist prairie farmers. Here's President Mary Robinson. The challenge right now is securing funding to offset the transportation because transportation costs because obviously the transportation costs are, are extremely high. Freight is up anywhere from 30 to 50 percent for trucks around here, and that's if you can get it. CFA is operating on a break-even basis under the initiative, with hay being purchased from Eastern and Central Canadian farmers and resold at cost to recipients in the West. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.